are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday. Get ready to recap last night's very ugly Pelicans loss. What's it mean? What happened in the game? What's it mean for the team going forward? And then I want to take a quick look at Lonzo Ball in the third segment. So that's what we've got coming up on today's show. So first and foremost, if you watched all of last night's game, I'm sorry you had to sit through that, especially for a West Coast game. And look, those 9 p.m. tips uh, where the game ends closer to 11, midnight, something like that are brutal. But you are strong, so I want to congratulate you, Pelicans fan, for being such a fan of the team and having so much devotion and loyalty to the franchise that you stuck through what ended up being a 111-86 loss that was probably closer than what the final score indicates. That's how bad last night's game was. And look, if you're a new listener of the show, come in here to hear what exactly went wrong. And yeah, I'm going to break it down for you. Welcome. And again, You must be a very committed fan, too, to really want to find out more about the team after something like that. But it's interesting to kind of know and analyze what went on with this team in a pretty brutal loss for New Orleans. They made this closer than it actually was in the fourth quarter in garbage time, which we shouldn't really count in that entire quarter pretty much was, that the Pelicans won 25-11. to Other than that, it was ugly. First quarter was fine. Down 29 to 31, and really they should have been winning, except Phoenix made seven threes in that quarter. But then in the second quarter and third quarter, this game got away from them quickly. 35 to 15 for Phoenix in the second quarter, then 34 to 17 in the third before that meaningless fourth quarter. So they start strong, and the defense, we we broke it down in yesterday's show, and if you haven't listened to that, you need to go and listen to yesterday's episode because it's going to frame a lot of how we talk about the defense the rest of the year. Giving up open three-point shots. They gave up in the first quarter a lot, but mainly to a somewhat okay shooter, mediocre, not good, but not bad three-point shooter in Jay Crowder. It's not necessarily a bad strategy. There's DeAndre Ayton there. There's Devin Booker who can get to the rim and score. You also have Chris Paul who's a master in the pick and roll and getting other guys open looks. They kind of limited that stuff, to be perfectly honest with you. Those guys did no damage in the first quarter. It was really Jay Crowder scoring 11 points. Devin Booker, three points in the first quarter. Chris Paul didn't even take a shot. Booker was just one of one. If I told you that, you'd think the Pelicans would be blowing this team out, right? But it was just Jay Crowder making three threes in that quarter. That was really kind of it. Scored 11 points, 4-6 shooting. You can kind of live with that, to be perfectly honest. And that should lead to a win for New Orleans. If they had kept it up and if Jay Crowder kind of regressed towards the mean and didn't keep that hot shooting going, there's no reason to necessarily think that he would have. Though I do think that can be a dangerous game to play. And that's something we'll get into in a later episode, I think. But then... Things went to hell very, very quickly. The offense completely fell apart. Relying on the bench, you saw Nicolo Melli come off the bench, be the first sub in there, and nothing really worked. You saw bad offense and then zero defense, and the game just 
completely got away from New Orleans. You could see that the poor shooting from New Orleans, they shot 48% on the night, but you had a performance from, say, Lonzo Ball, who was 3 of 12. Brandon Ingram went kind of quiet in the second and third periods. And so then when he was out there, he really tried to rip some threes and he was one of five shooting from there, just not nearly as effective as he normally is. And they let kind of the bad start and the bad stretches get to their head and it took them out of their style of game. Trying to force things, too many threes, when you probably needed to attack a little bit more. The team at times looked just completely clueless. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know what they should be doing. And it was a complete disaster. Getting basically no production from the bench wasn't helpful either. J.J. Redick, two points on the night. Josh Hart, three points on the night. Nicolo Melli finally hit a shot in the fourth quarter. His first one of the year. It's game four. In the fourth quarter, he finished with five points on the night. He made two. You got zero points from Jackson Hayes in 11 minutes. And it was really only once you, uh, uh, Stan Van Gunny made a decision to just do something. And that was putting Nikhil Alexander Walker in the game that you got a little bit of offense and a couple of good things going for you. He scored 11 points on the night. But he was 4 of 10 from the field. And at that point, late in the fourth quarter, he was put, put in the subs. Kyra Lewis Jr. got his first um, or some real NBA action here. 2 of 7 from the field, 4 points. Zendarius Thornwell into the game, 2 points. Willie Hernan Gomez, who I think a lot of us have wanted to see for a while, 1 point. Though he did grab 4 rebounds in 7 minutes in the fourth. But it's all meaningless garbage time stats. Basically, the Pelicans had a bad game. The defense just didn't do anything. They didn't protect the rim. They didn't defend the three-point line. They just didn't they didn't do anything. The uh, Phoenix Suns had 100 points by the end of the third quarter. New Orleans, in their two victories, held their opponents to under 100 points total in the game. That's how bad this was going. Offense wasn't there after a hot start. They just kind of faded. Poor shooting, went a little bit cold, and you could see that the half-court offense really, really struggles. Brandon Ingram kind of taken out of the game and the rhythm and the flow. He had five assists in the first quarter. He finished with six on the night. That's it. Only one more. It kind of exposed some weaknesses on this team. Eric Bledsoe really struggled in this one too. Seven points on the night for him. He was three of five shooting 0 for 2 from deep. It was just an overall bad night for New Orleans. Sometimes it's just really that simple. You chuck the film in the garbage can because there isn't a ton to learn from it. And you don't spend a lot of time focusing on some of the specifics that happened in this game. We're going to kind of do the same here. There's nothing from this game that's necessarily going to be predictive. I don't think Brandon Ingram's going to continue to have six of 11 nights, one of five from deep, where he finishes with 13 points. Like, he's going to do better than that. Zion Williamson was a bright spot, nine of 13 for 20 points on the night, but only grabbed two rebounds. And New Orleans didn't even really try on the defensive glass nearly as much as they normally do. I don't know what it was. I don't know what caused them to play so poorly, but they're not as bad as what this game indicates. So sometimes you just have those aberrations and you just move on. The Lakers had this the other night in a loss to the Portland Trailblazers. You saw it from the Clippers earlier on um, over the weekend in a 51-point loss to the uh, Dallas Mavericks. You saw it last night where the Milwaukee Bucks absolutely shredded the Miami Heat. The Heat team that beat him in the playoffs last year. Sometimes you just say whatever and and you move on. We're going to do that here to this game, but I want to talk about some things, some problems that were really apparent in this game that are overall issues from the team, though less specifically with this game. So that's coming up here in the next segment of today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. 
Before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Are you ready for some football? It's bowl season. The playoff picture of the NFL is coming into shape. And of course, the NBA season is well underway. There were 10 games going on last night. If you're looking at BetOnline, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that I trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. It's like winning a free bet already. They're giving you free money right there. They've got NFL games of the week, the top college football lines, and of course, any game and prop bet you could want with the NBA. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Make those games a little bit more interesting and get in on the action. And don't forget to use promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So betting on the Pelicans and the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. So in this loss for the Pelicans, which again, we don't need to go into specifics with a ton much more, but there were some very clear things that are problems for New Orleans, and it's going to start offensively. Defensively, they're growing. I don't think they're nearly as bad as they showed last night. And frankly, I don't hate the strategy of give up open threes to mediocre three-point shooters and defend the rim, which is what you want to do. You'd rather give up that three-point shot than you would the rim shot just because of the way the percentages in the NBA work kind of on average. So that's working, but the half-court offense for New Orleans is a problem. And when you have a bad defensive game like that, you can't get out and run and try and play in transition. And that's something that this Pelicans team does need to be able to do. They had 11 fast break points in this one. It's not going to get it done. That's not going to be enough. They need significantly more than that, ideally around 20 or so. When you don't have that here... You're going to lose pretty badly. You can't turn that defense into easy offense. We knew that they were going to struggle in the half court, particularly if Brandon Ingram's not having a great game because he's your main creator right now. He's the guy that creates shots for others. He's so good offensively. Teams key in on him. He can make the right read, the right passes, and he can get it to other guys. That's also what your point guard is supposed to be able to do. We know that's not quite what Lonzo Ball does. Connector, not creator, right? If you've been listening to the show for a while. But it should be what Eric Bledsoe is doing. But he is going through a funk right now. And I know people are wanting to maybe see him drop from the, drop from the starting lineup. And I'll touch on that in a second. But he's not going to be this bad all season long. He struggles in the playoffs. But he's a pretty good regular season player. And frankly, if he struggles in the playoffs, that means the Pelicans are in the playoffs. And I would be thrilled. And you would probably be thrilled. And then we would hate him. But you know what? We're not there just yet. He is struggling right now, and his shot is not falling, hasn't been falling um, so far through these four games, and you can see him being very passive when he's out there on the court. It's gotten so bad that Stan Van Gundy didn't close out the Spurs game with him out there on the court, other than that final possession, and he didn't close the half with Eric Bledsoe out there, opting to go with Nikhil Alexander-Walker instead, a little bit more instant offense, or a guy who's going to be aggressive, who's willing to shoot. And you can see Eric Bledsoe passing up open shots right now. That's how you end up playing four on five. And that's what the Pelicans are doing in the half court right now with that kind of Eric Bledsoe. That probably means if he's going to be that passive, that you need to make a change. It'd be one thing if he was just shooting and missing, And you can deal with that, that shooting funk that sometimes you just need to shoot out of. But when you're being that passive and not impacting the game, 
yeah, it's a problem. Like that's not going to work. And that reason alone is worth making a change to the starting lineup. I don't know if it's so much the bad spacing out there. And this was probably the first game that you could really see poor spacing offensively for New Orleans, even with the starters. That's not counting how confused that Nicolo Melli and Jackson Hayes were out there offensively for them, uh, for the team this, uh, this game last night. But you probably need to do something. The problem is J.J. Redick is going through a hell of a funk himself right now. I think he's hit one or two shots and that's it the past three games. He was good in the, on the opening night, but he's been really bad since. This is probably one of the worst stretches of his professional NBA career that he's going through right now. Obviously, you trust him to get through that, but putting a guy in who's struggling like that, I don't know if it, you know if he doesn't have it just yet, if that's the way to go. He was one of five from the field tonight. 0 for 2. Two points. Sorry. Uh, yeah, two points. That's, that's not going to get it done. If you put that into the starting lineup, yes, there's some court gravity to him. So it sucks a defender out of the paint because you're sure as hell not going to leave J.J. Redick open. Is that the answer, though? I'm not entirely sure. And I don't think that means you should put Nikhil Alexander-Walker into the starting lineup. It's something, though, they're really going to need to consider as you go into this Oklahoma City game on tomorrow on um, uh, New, Year's, New Year's Eve. That's the holiday we're at. It's like 2 in the morning when I'm recording this, and now I'm a little bit confused. So that's a big part of the problem. The other part is the depth for New Orleans. It'd be one thing if these guys were missing shots or just not as talented as some of the other teams, but they're confused a lot of the time, at least in Jackson Hayes and Nicolo Melli. It took Nicolo Melli into the fourth quarter of the fourth game to make a shot. He's not even taking that many. And he and Jackson Hayes are absolutely killing the spacing for New Orleans. They stand right around the free throw line where you don't space the court enough by sucking a dude out of the paint. And then by also standing there, you're not really doing much down low either. So you're kind of killing the offense by both keeping defenders near the paint, but also like near the perimeter too. And that's not really what you want to give three good three point looks by being an anchor down low. It's just this horrible no man's land. And that's not going to do good for anyone. It'd be one thing if he was just bad, missing shots, making bad reads on defense, but now you're screwing things up for the others offensively, right? That's when you start to get really bad and actively harm this team. It's one thing to play four on five, but by some of the spacing we're seeing out there, it's like the Pelicans are playing three on five offensively. That's not going to get it done. They definitely need to rethink some of the rotation here. I think because of stuff like that, you need to have a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker in there. He wasn't good in this game. He was 4 of 10 for 11 points. 11 points on 10 shots is bad. But I'm here saying you've got to, like got to have Nikhil in the rotation right now because he just does something and gives you some of what you need. And that is not what you're getting from anyone else. And that is definitely a big part of the problem and why you're seeing New Orleans struggle like they are right now, especially with that half-court offense. It's bad. You need some instant offense off the bench. You've got to give Nikhil Alexander-Walker a shot, maybe with some more of the starters too and just better players than both him, um, Nicolo Melli, and Jackson Hayes out there in a lineup that was just absolutely atrocious for New Orleans at times. You know, this is why they pay coaches a lot of money to kind of go out and make these decisions and try and exactly figure out what's going on with the team. But they were bad, and the bench is definitely struggling. 
look, the Suns have a good bench. I told you as much in the preview for this game. But you've got to get a little bit more production than that. They didn't really give you a whole lot. And some of Nikhil Alexander-Walker's numbers were a little bit hollow. Though he did have a couple of nice plays on defense. And overall, I was like kind of fine with what he was giving you in relation to the rest of the team. It's a problem. New Orleans needs to figure this out going forward because you're not always going to be able to run and play in transition like they are really trying to do. And after opponents uh, make a shot, they're not going to try and run like they did last year because it's it's dumb. And that's one of the reasons why they had one of the more inefficient transition offenses in the league last year, even if they played in transition uh, as much, if not more so than basically every other team in the league. It's a big problem here. And there isn't really a clear cut answer for what New Orleans needs to do other than maybe hope that Eric Bledsoe figures it out and that JJ Redick finds his shooting stroke again. So we'll get into Lonzo Ball here in just a second, but today's show is brought to you by Build Go. Everyone's got a wall. Maybe it's being up at 1.17 in the morning recording your second or third podcast of the night. Just, just a maybe thing. Maybe it's getting up and just going to work or, hey, you're a little bit tired and you don't want to work out today and you just need a little bit more energy to be able to do it. Well, Built Go is going to help you break through that wall. It's easy to take ounce and a half energy gel energy gel packages. There we go. I can say it. Something you can throw in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Your golf bag so you can power through the back nine. Or maybe just something to help you get through the day. Whatever your wall is, Built Go will help you break through it. It's a healthy replacement for your energy drink or like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling or a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors in peanut butter, honey, uh, chocolate, coconut, or chocolate mint, and it combines energy gel with collagen protein, and that collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system quick. Plus, Bilko is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work, including 10,000% of the daily need for B12. So go to BiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BiltGo.com. So if you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider and former front office executive with the Memphis Grizzlies. John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcasts. So I mentioned Lonzo Ball didn't have a good game. He was 3 of 12, 1 of 7 from deep. It's not a good game. He hit three shots. He shot 25%, okay? So he did do two things. Two of those three made shots are kind of important. It's a bit of a trend you're seeing from him, and I wanted to highlight why this is so important. So in this game, Lonzo hit 1-3. The other two he made were two mid-range jumpers. He took two shots at the rim, didn't make either of those, but at least you saw him be aggressive at times. But that mid-range jumper, while not quite a drive to the rim, which is really what you'd like to see him do more, it's still aggression from him and something you haven't seen a ton, and it's a slight, I don't want to go too overboard with this, a slight sign of growth from him as a player. And this is coming from confidence in his jumper to be able to hit those shots. You weren't going to see this from him two seasons ago, three seasons ago. You might have seen a little bit last year, but you're seeing it more consistently through these first four games. Well, it remains to be seen if it'll be a trend that'll hold up all year long and if he's reliably capable of hitting the shot. 
But the early returns, at least on this specific type of shot, that pull-up jumper off of a pick-and-roll situation or off a drive from the three-point line, so he gets the ball, either takes the screen, goes around it, and starts to go towards the basket, then pulls up maybe around the free-throw line on the side, something like that, takes a jumper with the defender off balance. They're trying to backpedal, get to the rim, or keep up with him to try and take away a shot at the rim. He uses that to create a little bit of space, elevates, jumps up, Shoots the shot, makes the shot, and everyone's happy. If he can reliably do this, it's going to change how he's defended. And that's where he becomes a playmaker. We've talked about this, a creator, a playmaker for others, rather than just kind of a connector, which is what he is and what he's really good at. And there's useful things to that. But again, go back to his assist. How many of that was him creating the shot for the teammate versus kicking the ball across the court, which is still a very useful thing to do. I'm not taking away from that. And then letting that player just kind of do their thing. He can here create for others with this. If he's driving to the rim and people are worried about that pull-up jumper he might have, that mid-range game, well then, a defender is going to have to come out of the paint to challenge that and can't just stand back, kind of hang out under the rim and wait for him to come to them. They need to go to him because all of a sudden now he's a threat to score two points from that mid-range shot. So you've got to at least try and go and contest that a little bit ideally, which means one less person in the paint, one less person at the rim to stop Zion Williamson. And now all Lonzo Ball has to do is dump the ball off to Zion down low once he realizes that defender is coming out at him. It's really that simple. It just opens up the defense a little bit more. On Wednesdays, I co-host the Locked On NBA podcast. John Corrales, host of Locked On Celtics, is there with me. He, well, while we're analytics guys, we don't love the mid-range shot. Give me shots at the rim. Give me three-pointers. Give me good looks on those. The mid-ranger has its place. It has its uses. And some of that is kind of body blows on the defense. That's what John calls them. They're body blows. All of, like in thinking boxing, you're pounding people in the chest and the stomach. It, it softens them up a little bit for a bigger shot later, right? That's kind of what this does. If all of a sudden you're, you're pulling guys out of the paint, you can get better looks at the rim. Even if you get another foot of two of space for Zion Williamson, all of that stuff really, really matters. And you're starting to see this in Lonzo Ball's uh, bag, in his repertoire of shots, in his game. I don't know if it is fully there just yet, if it's reliable enough to bend a defense. But if he keeps hitting them, yes, you can definitely make that a thing that's a threat and it opens up everything else for every other player on this team. And that is the way you create for others. And I think he's capable of doing it. This is a big part of his game. I'm curious to see if it keeps going. So while he shot three of 12, he took three mid-range jumpers and hit two of them, 66%, two thirds. That's really good. And if he can keep this up, this is how he earns much more money on his next contract and how he becomes a very, very useful uh, player for your New Orleans Pelicans. So we'll see if he keeps this up um, against the Oklahoma City Thunder in the next game. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening, whether you're a new listener or an existing listener. It was a rough game last night. You don't have to tune in today. You don't need to know more about that, do you? But you wanted to, so I appreciate you being here with me on today's show. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.